Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 266 of the podcast. It's the 24th of February, 2021, as I record this intro. And this month in the Living Joyfully Network, our theme is Finding Our Guides. As I wrote about in The Unschooling Journey, our children can serve as our most valuable guides, helping us move through our fears towards joy and connection. Anna and I talk about how handing our children the weight of our worries and fears impacts them and erodes trust, how connecting with our children helps us navigate our fears, and how being part of a community of like-minded parents inspires us and enriches our unschooling lives. It was such a fun conversation and a great reminder of the value of being truly present in the moment with our families. The Living Joyfully Network is a safe, inclusive community where parents come together to engage in candid conversations about living and learning through the lens of unschooling. Our shared goals are to embrace lifelong learning, develop strong and connected relationships with our children, and cultivate a thriving unschooling lifestyle in our families. If you're curious to learn more about the network, check out the link in the show notes or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash network. With the network approaching its first birthday and all that we've learned so far, Anna and I recently updated our community vision, which you'll find detailed there. As a personal update, this week we're mostly just in awe of how much snow we have. Two feet or so, everywhere. The snow banks from clearing roads and shoveling driveways are sometimes as tall as me. The snow on the porch is approaching the bottom of the kitchen windows. (laughs) That said, it's been white here since maybe the end of November, and I found myself saying to people with much enthusiasm, it's spring next month. (laughs) And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who's chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Exploring Unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Anna. Welcome. I'm Pamela Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Anna Brown. Hi Anna. Hey. <laughs> this month in the Living Joyfully Network, our theme has been finding our guides. You know, cuz the unschooling journey really is quite an unconventional one, so it really is helpful to have some guides to help us when questions and fears start to, you know, kind of swirl in our head, we're starting to feel a little lost and we want to look kind of for that next guidepost. Anyway, so I want to dive in. And the first topic I wanted to cover is what makes children such good guys? And spoiler alert in there, Anna and I have both found our children to be our, our best, our most helpful guides on this journey. 
Um, and the first thing I wanted to share is this quote um, from John Holt in his book, Escape from Childhood, because I think it does such a beautiful job of describing why our kids really do make good guides. So here we go. Children tend to be, among other things, healthy, energetic, quick, vital, vivacious, enthusiastic, resourceful, intelligent, intense, passionate, hopeful, trusting, and forgiving. They get very angry, but do not, like us, bear grudges for long. Above all, they have a great capacity for delight, joy, and sorrow. But we should not think of these qualities or virtues as childish, the exclusive property of children. They are human qualities. We are wise to value them in people of all ages. When we think of these qualities as childish, belonging only to children, we invalidate them, make them seem things we should outgrow as we grow older. Thus, we excuse ourselves for carelessly losing what we should have done our best to keep. Just let that sit there for a moment and maybe rewind and listen to that again. Because I find that a good portion of our unschooling journey is about excavating these long buried traits, right? These human qualities so that we can once again enthusiastically engage with our lives. And that's what we see with our children, right? So connecting with our kids is something that really helps us shed so much of this baggage that we've accumulated over the years about how things are supposed to be. So for me, that's one of the big reasons that that my children were such great guides because they didn't have all the weight of the baggage and the messages that, that I had absorbed over the years. And I could really see them in action and just thinking um, more deeply about how This isn't so much of it isn't about being a child. It's about being a human being, right? Yes. I mean, I just feel like there's so much more in touch with, you know, what it means to be an authentic being, you know, those human qualities to feel, to explore, to love, to connect, you know, just to be in the moments. And like you said, we've had so much piled on us over the years that we're just carrying around like, you know, the sack on our back that we can lose sight of these everyday joys and delighting in the things around us. And I feel like my girls helped me find that joy to be playful again, to laugh more easily, to love and to celebrate the little things, not just the big things that, you know, we're kind of as adults, we celebrate, but delighting in everything around me. And they had big emotions and that was okay. And so that was so interesting. You know, they would express and then they would pivot back to joy and connection. And that was such a big lesson for me because I, at that time, especially tended to stay in that upset place, you know, feeling hurt um, or stunned or angry even, and seeing them feel the big emotions and then pivot back to joy was revolutionary for me (laughs) because it, it just reminded me of that choice. And it really I had to examine, like, you're choosing to stay here, Anna, you're choosing to be angry or hurt or whatever it is, as opposed to pivoting to the next thing. Yeah, 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 no, I just wanted to say, jump in on that, because um, I, when I think back to that time, I felt like I needed to hold on to those more negative emotions to prove they were true. I had to be like for it, for 
other people to believe I was angry. I needed to stay angry. I need to, to stay upset so that they would believe me. That was part of it. It's like, oh, do I have to stay here just to prove to other people that this was important to me? And it's like, oh, you know what? No, like I know it's important to me. I can still, you know, have conversations with whoever the the challenge is with, because, you know, so oftentimes it's not with our kids, right? But watching them in action and seeing them pivot is what it's like, oh man, like I know they were upset about that. I know, understand why they were upset about that. And look, they can move past it too. They can pivot and choose something different. So yeah, like you were saying, what a revelation, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, changed everything for me. And then, and, and what I found too, is when you pivot back, so you have, you're angry, you're upset about something. When you pivot back to joy, like you said, that doesn't get rid of necessarily what had happened, but it gave me new eyes. So I felt like I was more constructive when I was solving the problem versus staying in the angry outrage state, you know? And so it was that back to connection. And then I felt like I actually was able to solve it, to move forward, to make that connection with whoever I was upset with or to figure out the next step. So I loved that piece. It actually made it more efficient and better than, like you said, staying in that angry place. Don't you see I'm angry still? Like we weren't getting anywhere, you know? Yeah, I just think there's so many things over the years where I learned how to tune back into these, what again, I think are just very authentic human qualities, you know, and letting go of the expectations and the need to please and this stuff that we're packing on in this baggage. And instead, I learned so much about myself and who I was and how I wanted to move through the world. And it was, it was just such a gift, you know, and, and that really came from watching them from seeing how they moved through the world and how they just naturally, you know, again, we had big emotions, we had conflicts, we had all of those things, but how we moved through it was so different when we didn't have the layers and the baggage. And I loved the interplay between us. So we were exploring the world together. You know, there was times I was learning from them, times they were learning from me, times we were seeking outside perspectives, you know, together or apart. And it really turns that whole authoritarian parents know best model on its head. And instead, what we were left with was this rich tapestry of relationships, partnering, facilitating, trusting, growing together. And it was, I mean, oh, it's just so our days were just rich and layered and interesting and so much more so than, you know, I think the authoritarian model, I think it really even shuts off us because, you know, even a parent that's, that's in that model of, you know, punishment and doing and trying to control and whatever, they're doing it from a place they believe from love, you know, but, but it isn't tapping into their natural need to connect with others, you know, and to connect with their children and to have those relationships. And so it's just such a beautiful shift when it happens and it just becomes exponential in its beauty. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things I wanted to dive into there. Um, let's start with that, um, that shift from authoritarian to connection based parenting. Um, because one of the things I think that people find uh, more challenging when they're, when they're making that shift and it ties into what we're talking about the, our children as guides is that guides aren't directors. So it's not like, okay, we were controlling. And now we're not going to do that anymore. So guides doesn't mean now they're controlling. They're the directors, right? It's not now I'm following them. We're doing what whatever they say. Um, 
So when we're not expecting them to do what we say, but it, it's not just the opposite, right? We're not just shifting to the opposite. Like you said, I love that tapestry metaphor. We're weaving together a new life as a family where we're working together and genuinely considering the needs of everyone in the family, right? So that was the first piece. I love that. The other piece, I just jump back a little bit when you were talking before um, about how like when we are stuck in, in anger or, or whatever upset that we're in, that often leads to kind of tunnel vision, right? It's all we can think about. This is it. And you talked about how it actually shifting and pivoting away from that actually helped open things up. And for me, that that's exactly how it played out for me too. And what it, what helped me is, is the idea of thinking. So instead of thinking of their actions as childish, which, which John Holt referred to, I liked embracing it through like the image of childlike, right? Because then when I made that shift to childlike, that really opened me up to that more curious state, right? That beginner's mind state. And there is where you can find so many more ways through a challenge, right? You become curious. And then, so it's not like, it's like, oh, you know, I shouldn't be angry. I should shift over here and be happy. You know, that's not what we're talking about. But part of that process, it's, it's like intentionally choosing, okay, I can pivot. I can choose something different right now and let that challenge sit for a little bit, right? And then as I shift, the weight kind of um, opens up. We're not being pulled into that tunnel vision. We're becoming a bit more open, a bit more curious. You know, we're breathing a bit. Maybe we're laughing because we're having fun with the kids. And then, my goodness, do so many different ideas bubble up of ways to approach that situation, right? Yes. Oh, I mean, just over and over again, I saw that. And it was amazing to me because, like you said, in the beginning, I wanted to stay angry. I'm going to show you this is important. Like I'm going to, you know, knock you over the head with it and bring you into my tunnel. But it's like, when we take that childlike, open, curious approach to the world, then we start to see the people in front of us differently. We start to see the situation differently. We start to understand there are more than one ways to look at something. And it really was amazing. So powerful. So powerful. And I think that leads us really nicely to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was connect how connecting with our children helps us move through our unschooling related worries and fears. So not challenges with other people, but when we start to get uh, worried, you know, maybe it's it's something related to unschooling. Um, so connection really can be our anchor there too, right? When fears start to bubble up, because often fears and worries around unschooling are us kind of looking at something that's going on right now and projecting that kind of what if into the future. And then we get stuck in our heads and we get that tunnel vision again, right? Um, so once we become aware of that, because sometimes it can take a while before we realize, oh, we're stepping back, we're stuck in our heads, the worries are swirling. But once we notice that, it's a great clue for us to just start asking ourselves where that's coming from and to remind ourselves to reconnect and re-engage with our kids, right? It's the same kind of thing we were talking about with other challenges in our life. But it's super helpful um, when, especially when they're unschooling related fears and worries, right? To actually connect with our kids who are unschooling and seeing them in action and seeing what kind of choices they're making. That reconnection really helps us move through it, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, when the worry starts to set in, I mean, for me, and I think really it's common for most, it, we pull back, you know, we're in our head, we're thinking, 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 things start spinning. And in that process of spinning, we do disconnect from those around us. And that's where that downward spiral becomes where, you know, we just start, we're taking in outside noise and it's feeding the downward spiral and it really goes very quickly. But, you know, for me, just like you said, when I first started to notice the worry, I just wanted to dive back in. I wanted to reconnect because in that connection, that's where we learn what's happening. What do they love? Like you said, how they're making decisions, where the decisions are coming from. I'm seeing the threads and I'm connecting dots, you know, because I'm listening and engaging in what they love. And I've just found that's the fastest way to find myself, wait and find my way back to trust, you know, get out of my head. And interestingly, I think this works with everyone in your life, you know, that it's, it's when you're not understanding where a person's coming from, you know, why they're making the choices. I'm worrying about a relationship or something that's going on. You know, the fastest way to get out of that cycle of worry is to connect and listen. And then things start to make more sense. And then I'm reacting to what is instead of what's inside my head. And that just, that really comes up so much, especially with people new on the journey to unschooling, because you know, you're processing a lot of new ideas and paradigms and you're trying to make sense of like, what is this going to look like in our family and how is this happening? And those things are pulling you back, pulling you back into this kind of intellectual spiral in your head, but just bringing yourself right back to that moment with your child and connecting with them. It just, it, it really alleviates that. And you just start to learn so much more about yourself and about your kids. And so, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, like what it helped me, especially when I got back to re-engaging with them and reconnecting with them, um, it helped me see through their eyes right? So whatever worry probably maybe sparked, probably sparked by something that's going on right now. But I get so much more context if I see the right now, the this moment through their eyes, right? So you are seeing what they're learning, right? And the other piece that comes in there is you're starting to see their timetable too, because so often our worries are, oh, but they're not doing this. Oh, but I think they should be doing this, you know, um, and these are all valid worries. There's nothing wrong with worrying, right? I always want to emphasize that. Um, but we're talking about moving through them, right? So when we can reconnect with them, we actually can start to see the things through their eyes because we're talking with them. We are seeing what is leading up to maybe the harder moments. We're seeing how they're acting and they're reacting. And we're learning so much more about them. We're seeing what they are learning instead of whatever it is we think they should be learning, right? Because when we come at it through our framework, when we're focusing on our timetable, as in our expected timetable for them, what we're seeing is the not learning. We're focused on what it is that they're not doing. They're not learning, et cetera. But they really are learning all the time. So when we can reconnect and re-engage with them, what we learn is what they're focused on right now. And that that truly makes all the difference. It really helps us see, okay, our funnel, it's not like an either or. This is an and, uh, and instead, right? And that's the part of, that helps us with their timetable. It's like, oh, well, they're doing this and they're learning this. And we see that they're learning um, 
quickly, almost effortlessly, because it's something that, that they're interested in in the moment. And then we're doing our own processing. You know, why am I not valuing that learning as much as whatever it was that I thought they should be doing, et cetera, right? So always when we reconnect and re-engage, that takes us to the right questions to ask ourselves, right? Yeah, and I was just going to say, I think we can look at that as a gift, you know, that worry and that thing that helps us fine tune what we're doing. Okay, wait a minute, something isn't is a little bit off because I'm feeling this concern. So I'm going to reconnect. So that was a gift, that moment of that, you know, hmm, I'm not sure. And then you reconnect and then you realize you recommit to why I'm here, what, what we're loving about it, how we're enjoying our lives. And then that just builds. And so yeah, it doesn't have to be a, oh, we're never going to have a worry. I mean, we have worries about different things, but it's how we move through it, how we use it as a, just a little sign versus a spiral starting. And one last thing right along those lines is actually that, that was one of the things I found why my kids made such good guides and continue to make such good guides. Yeah. But because the things in our kids that that send us off in a worry or that trigger us or that, you know, upset us are often truly those things that we really need to work on that we haven't processed yet. You know, the other things are bothering us because we figured that out. (laughs) So, So often it's like they hold up a mirror and when we're getting stressed, it's like, okay, I have another layer of something around this to peel back. So that, that was always a fun, pe- well, I won't say fun, yeah, but always fun, but interesting. And when you come out on the other side, and we did talk about this on the network, you know, what are some of the things in your kids that trigger you? And what did you learn about yourself? And it was fascinating. I mean, it was fascinating to see how people consistently, you know, would find a trigger, they'd react from that point. And then when they peeled back the layer, it was like, yeah, this was something that has been haunting me since childhood or since, you know, my early twenties. And now I'm able to let that go and it doesn't trigger me anymore. Now I don't have that. And so that was really beautiful to see just how that unfolded for people. Yeah, it was, it's fascinating to realize that some of, so much of our reactions and our feelings that bubble up are based on our baggage and, and things that we bring with us. Whereas our kids don't have that baggage and and they're like, you know, often our reactions can almost feel out of the blue to them because they're like, what the heck? That's not what's happening in this particular moment. (laughs) Okay. So I think this leads nicely to the next um, topic too, which is how connecting with our children as guides helps us build trust. Right. And you mentioned that a little bit ago. Um, we're going to, we're building our trust in our kids, our trust in ourselves, and our trust in unschooling. So connecting with them builds trust in unschooling because, like we were mentioning, we see it in action, right? We see what they're learning. It's like, oh, yeah, they are learning. Because if, if we're disconnecting, sometimes it can be hard to see it because it doesn't look like school learning. Especially when you're new, newer to unschooling, you're looking for a child to bounce up and say, hey, mom. How do you add? Let's do some math. You know, I want to learn the times tables. It's a whole different language when you're learning through living, right? So actually seeing it in action is very important. And it helps you understand unschooling better. And it helps you build trust in how this works. Now, when we're connecting, oh, did you want to pop in? No, 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 you're good. 
So when we're connecting, we're also better understanding what's going on for them in the moment as we're talking, right? We have a better idea of what it is they're trying to accomplish. We know in the moment better what their current level of frustration is in the day. So we're understanding that better helps us understand their reactions in the moment and their choices, the next actions that they choose to take when we're connected with them what they're choosing and doing and how they're reacting makes so much more sense, right? So there's not out of the blue things. So we're building more trust in them as, as a person and we're understanding, Oh yeah, that makes sense. They're doing the, they're like a real person, not this bundle of, you know, anger and frustration that jumps out and then pivots back to joy so quickly. And we're just whiplashed here. Right. <laughs> And it does kind of build on what I was saying before, because that connection really does. We're hearing the frustrations in context more as opposed to, you know, they're down playing a game and now it's upset and, you know, the house is kind of melting down and what's happening. But when we're connecting with them, we're understanding where the frustration is happening. We can have some conversations about that. We're seeing their thought process about it. We're seeing how difficult the task is in front of them and how they're handling that and what they're trying to do. We also see what they love, what's lighting them up about it, what's making them come back to that frustrating thing in a game or in, you know, something they're trying to do, learning to flip, doing whatever, whatever they're trying to, you know, putting their mind to. And that helps build trust because we understand what they're up to, how they're getting there, what's happening, you know, all the different pieces. But it also builds their trust in us because, you know, they see that we truly care, that we're interested in what they love and what they're excited about. And I think really, if we think about it, any of us can say how nice it feels for somebody to truly take an interest in something we enjoy, to really hear out when we're excited about something. And that's that interplay again, you know, being connected with our children. I found just really silenced the critics in my mind because we're enjoying our time. We're having these cool conversations. You know, we're seeing what they love. I'm sharing what I love, you know, and it just leaves very little time for this worrying because we're living, like we're living this rich, interesting life with the ups and downs and all the things, but together. And so it's, it, it, everything makes so much more sense when you're connected versus when you're viewing it from afar. And, and, and it is such a different paradigm. It, it is, it's a different way to move through the world. If we're used to school and looking a certain way, this feels different, but where you'll, how you'll move through that step is by connecting because then you'll see it is logical, you know, like it does have this, it makes sense when you're in a part of it. It may not make sense from 10,000 feet, you know, <laughs> because you're not seeing all the different pieces. And so, yeah, it's just that diving back in, just getting back to trust. It was always, uh, I'll go with the revelation, but it was just like this insight, this aha moment. Each time when I realized I was worried about something, the realization that I was disengaged, which which I didn't really see until I went back and connected. I'm like, you know, it, it would happen even when things are going well, right? So things are going well, they're into their interests, you know, we're we're connected and everything. And so when things were going well and I had heard like everything possible, I thought about whatever their interest was. So it's like, Oh, well, you know, I'll go off and do my own things, which is great when you've got some time to do your own things. But 
just being aware because what would happen is I'd be doing my, my own things. They would, um, they'd come to share a little bit and I'd be, Oh, that's cool. You know, but I wouldn't engage in further conversation. I'd kind of go back to my thing and you know, it just, our, our conversations about things just kind of lessened. They got a little bit shorter. They got a little bit further apart and then, you know, maybe they shifted or something and then something else came up and I didn't notice quickly or didn't know what was going on because I'd been more disconnected. And then, then, then some worry would start bubbling up and, you know, the whole cycle would start again. And when I would reconnect and engage with them, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't know these things or I, I had missed out on these things. So I think that whole it's really interesting how connection and trust really is a cycle, right? You give some trust to a situation and then you see how things unfold, right? And you learn a little bit more. So you learn a little bit more how schooling works. You learn a little bit more about how your child, so you understand better their choices and their reactions. And you learn a little bit more about yourself. And it's like, oh, so, you know, that trust becomes experience, Right. And then it's like, oh, and so something else, gonna, I'll give a little bit more trust here. So your trust grows and builds kind of in cycles as you give a little bit, then you learn a little bit and your experience grows and then you give a little bit more trust. And it's just a really beautiful cycle, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So this was something that's really interesting. I just wanted to dive into for a second because it was a new one for me. Um, it came up in the network a few months ago now, but it sat with me for a long time. So the opposite of trust is worry, right? I thought that was a really interesting thing to dive into, especially as our kids um, get older um, and we find ourselves worrying about them and the things, you know, kind of they're doing as they're moving out into the world more. Um, and so I think it's a great time to ask ourselves when we're starting to worry about something, um, what am I not trusting? Right? That is a great way just to start digging into a worry as well. What do you think about that one? Yeah, so I think this one's so important. So, so back in the network, when this first came up, someone shared that basically worry isn't love. And that how profound that had been to her. And wow, it really stuck with me. And I've had so many conversations with people about it since because it's such, I mean, it's fascinating because it's pretty common for people to believe that worry is love. And I, I'd say it's the opposite. And like you said, trust is the opposite of worry. And when we put our worries on our children or partners, really what we're communicating is that we don't trust that they're capable. And it can be so damaging to the relationship and also cause them to doubt themselves. And, and that's what I think is the slippery, dangerous slope about it to start down is them doubting themselves. Because I think people make the best and safest decisions when they feel confident and they know they can ask for help. So if our kids view us as partners who trust in them, they will feel comfortable coming to us as a trusted advisor. If they feel we don't trust them, they might actually push past their limits in an effort to prove something. And as a trusted advisor, we can listen, we can troubleshoot, we can send them off with this energy of love, trust, and excitement. 
And as someone like you with older kids, like that is what I want them walking out the door feeling. I want them to feel loved and trusted and know that I'm excited for them and know that I know they're capable because I think we can all just sit in that feeling and know that's a really powerful place to go out into the world and out into challenges versus if someone is putting a lot of weight or worry or doubt in your mind. And so just sitting in that place of I'm going to send you off with love, trust, and excitement, absolutely where I want to be with my grandchildren and, and really all along the way as they're exploring things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, when you're, as you were saying that if we hand them that weight of, of our worry, we're putting them in tunnel vision. I feel like, right. Like they're going to be, Oh my gosh, you know, mom or whatever parent is thinking that this, these so many things could go wrong. And so that's kind of what they're looking for, right? They're not enjoying. And when you're in that tunnel vision, again, as we talked about before, you're not open and curious and creative, right? Which may be what you need in in any situation. Well, it is what, you know, that is the safest way to approach anything, right? And I think the other piece that can be really hard, especially for newer people, is understanding the difference. Because so often in our society, we see children who are pushing the boundaries, who are pushing the limits. And they're doing that because they feel the limits, right? So they just want to push as far. They're reacting to the limit. It's not really a choice, per se, that they're making, right? Because they're not even thinking of it that way. They're not even touching base with themselves to see if they want to do that. They're, you know, reacting to the fact that they're not allowed to do that or, or they're only allowed to do that in a limited framework. Right. So what we talk so often about what we want to help our kids develop is their inner voice and that trust in themselves and that understanding of themselves. Most of us don't want to push our, our boundaries, our personal like comfort zones too much. Yes, it's fun to, to play with them and to do something kind of new and exciting. But when we're not doing that in reaction to something, but we're doing it by choice and we, you know, know ourselves, we are pushing within the, you know, the limits that feel comfortable enough for us. And and if we feel someone's going to shut us down, you know, we're not going to go to that person. And I shared this story, I think, on the podcast years ago, but, you know, we had schooled friends and, 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 you know, in the neighborhood and whatever. And, you know, it was a kind of a long story, but they, they come across something that is maybe a little bit dangerous. It's like in the woods and whatever, and they're curious about it. And the kids that were from school were just like, oh, let's go inside or let's look at it. It was like an old ramshackle thing. And, um, and you know, my girls were more like, well, no, I don't know. I'm going to ask my mom and see what she thinks, if she thinks it's okay. And they're like, well, you can't ask your mom. She's not going to let us go in there and do it. She's like, oh, no, she will. She'll just figure out if it's okay. You know, like they just had no energy about this, you know, and these kids w- would have pushed through. And so they actually did come back and I went out with them and I, I, got like, I just joined in their curiosity and excitement about it, but could point out a few things. Well, okay. So that part looks a little bit unsafe, but let's look around this way and we can like see what's happened here. And what do you think it was? And, you know, we could just have conversations. And so 
So I, I, my argument is my kids were much safer in that situation, you know, because they viewed me as a trusted advisor and because we had that connection versus those kids who knew their parents would have just said, what are you doing playing with something old in the woods, you know, get back in the house kind of thing. And so they're going to push through that because they don't feel heard or seen or, you know, trusted. And I trusted the girls. And, and even when we were on playground equipment and my kids were climbing to the height and the parents are saying, get down, get down. I was like, how does that feel? You know, how are you feeling up there? Is there anything you need? And let them focus on that. And it's so different. And they become so much more grounded in their body and their own capabilities when we're not putting our worry or how, because again, it's all like you always say, look through their eyes. I might not want to climb up there, you know, but they do right now. And so how can they do that in the safest way for them? Like trusting their body. So anyway, there's lots of stories like that, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a really important piece. And those worries I think serve to disconnect and, and serve to, to give weight to our children. And I, I don't ever want to give weight to someone else. The other piece that came up for me when you're talking there is also, you know, so your child is comfortable up there and they fall, yeah. right? You know, this isn't about creating a bubble so that they're, you know, fully safe or however we define safe. Right. Um, but when they're up there or, or they make a choice where something goes unexpectedly, right? They're learning from that. And because they know it's there, it was, you know, their choice. So they're under, they're better understanding their limits and their boundaries for themselves through that experience, right? So it's not that we can take away all bad experiences, but as you say, these are safer, I really do feel that it's safer, right? Because then when something goes sideways, they're also feel safe and comfortable to us and we can help them move through that sideways. We can talk with them through that, et cetera. So it's not about things go perfectly when you build these kinds of trusted and strong and connected relationships, but we can also move through the times when things go sideways so much more gracefully and trustfully with each other. And and I think probably all of us can think back to times and are like moving out into the world where we maybe didn't like we could have used some help and talking through something, but we like, oh, we don't want them to think we can't do it. Or Mm -hmm. we don't want them to take away this opportunity because they let me go to this place and now something's happened and I don't want to, you know, whatever. And so just not having that energy is so, I mean, it's just so great because yes, things will go sideways, but I know they're going to pick up the phone and say, I'm not comfortable here anymore. Yes, I wanted to come. And I, and you, you know, I told you this is going to be the best thing ever, you know, this party or this, whatever. Now I've changed my mind. I have no energy about that. Okay. I'll be there and pick you up, you know, like, no. And so, wow, that changes things. Cause I mean, we've all been teenagers. Like we all know how differently that can go. If you don't feel you have that, you stay in a situation you're not comfortable in you, you know, make decisions that maybe aren't the smartest, you know, because you, you don't feel like you have that backup or that person that you can talk to. So I just, I think it's a really important point. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Okay, so let's move on to our last area, which I think is also super valuable. Let's talk about the value of finding community. So to help us process all these things that come up, it can be really helpful to find a supportive community of other like-minded parents that you can bounce ideas around with. Um, You can hear how they processed and responded to things. So you gain from their experiences. 
not that they necessarily apply to you, but seeing how other people work through things helps broaden our perspective. Um, we can see how they engage with their kids. We can be inspired, um, even if they're just sharing things that their kids are interested in. We can be inspired. Oh, I think that might be interesting for my kid. You know, we're, again, making our worlds bigger, not smaller. Um, and the piece that always stands out for me is how much more valuable it is to ask um, people our questions who have similar goals, right? So if I have like a worry or a question about unschooling, I didn't really want to go to my parents or or even my friends and ask my, you know, locally geographic friends because their their goal wasn't an unschooling lifestyle, right? So, so often their answer was, well, send them to school. You'll have more time. You can do this, you know, whatever the challenges of the moment. Um, and their answers aren't wrong. Their answers are great answers from their perspective, right? But it's not the same framework that I am working from and that I want to work towards, right? So it's so helpful to have people who understand where I'm coming from and where I'm trying to go uh, to help me work through challenges and to inspire me each and every day, right? It also reminds us that's the other big piece that I think is hard when you come down schooling because you're looking for the answers. You know, how do I do this, right? But truly, there is no one way. It's unique and looks different for every family. So to see it playing out in a whole bunch of different families really helps you. I don't know, it helped me own it. As in saying, okay, you know, I'm going to take all this really interesting stuff on, see what works for other people, and then look at my own kids <laughs> and see how this might work for me, right? Yeah, I mean, community was really important to me. And, you know, I feel like what's so interesting about the Living Joyfully Network is just how it's kind of enhanced that for me, even at this stage, you know, because we have people from all over the world and they're choosing to live intentionally. They're choosing to focus on connection, consent, partnering, exploring, unschooling. And it's amazing because like you said, when you come up and you want to troubleshoot something with people who understand the direction we're walking in, it just makes all the difference you're right, their experience won't necessarily be like ours, but how they approach the situation in their life gives us ideas and it sparks things in us that will then fit in our family. So it's, it's more about that, how we approach things, you know, and these kind of higher level principles. And so it's so fascinating to watch those play out in different families and in different scenarios and lots of kids and one child and traveling and not traveling and all the, because it's all, this is information that we can then take in to say, okay, yeah, this really resonates with me. This really makes sense. This is a struggle that I've had and look how they moved through it. Would that work for me? So I love that kind of nuance teasing things out. I mean, it's been so inspirational for me and my kids are grown. I still just have so many aha moments that I feel like are deepening my human experience as someone who chooses to live these principles in all aspects of my life. And so having that vibrant community of people 
at different stages. You know, it's it's fun to look at those early questions and think, oh, like, so this is how I approach that. And how would I have tweaked that now, knowing what I know looking back and, you know, then watching other people go through it that are closer. And so having people with kind of the gamut of experience is really helpful because we've talked about before, like sometimes it's nice to have that person that's just ahead of you, that just went through some of those same blocks. And then sometimes it's helpful to have that person that's really able to look back at kind of all this stages and see the thread that they've found. So, you know, finding that rich, vibrant community and however that works for you is just, I I do think it's really an important part of the journey. It's part of our guides. It's part of how we move through this life intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. I know it it was hugely important for me. Um, And I would check in like when, when we were on school, I would check in every day, even if it was just for a few minutes, five minutes, or maybe the kids slept later, and I get 20 minutes, a half an hour, because just to steep in that for a little bit, because it, it gave me a good framework to start the day, right? Just that hit of inspiration that, oh, yeah, you know, this is why I'm choosing to live this way with my kids. It really helped me get started. And yeah, your point too, it doesn't matter what the community is, you find the community that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has this, you know, the same kind of goals and, and the way that, that you are envisioning your unschooling lives unfolding. And, oh, I lost it. What was the other piece to that? Hmm. Oh, well, I feel it's gone. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come back in a second, but yeah, it, it, whatever that community is, Oh, that was the piece is because when I think about my learning um, as, you know, learning about unschooling, but when I think about my learning, like um, writing, I'm still always learning about writing and, and business, the small business, uh, developing small business. And I have done the same thing with both those interests. I have found communities that resonated with me and I steep myself in those communities because that's how I personally learn well, right? I like to immerse myself in communities of people and seeing their experiences and then looking at it through my eyes and say, oh, how does that work for me? How does that feel? Can I tweak it this way? So for me, it was how I learned. But as you said, Anna, I am staying in and loving the unschooling community right now, continuously, even with adult kids, because these are human qualities, right? This really is about the human being that I want to be. And I'm still a parent, you know? So it's how I want to approach the world. I want to be open and curious. It's how I move through challenging moments because there's always challenging moments, whether your kids are young or adults, right? So it it is the beauty that I find in community even now Um, and just watching everybody in action. It's, it is, it's totally inspiring, isn't it? (laughs) It And like you said, that checking in is so nice because it could be that it's um, pictures of making slime and that gets you excited about something for the day or whatever, or it could be a challenge that's overcome and, and looking, you know, it's been interesting. We're approaching a year on the network, but seeing people that, you know, were struggling with certain things at the beginning and then where they are now as they're checking back in and letting us know like, okay, but now this is just, I, now that isn't even a worry at all. And I'm feeling so great about this and watching that transformation again, that just inspires me to, we can always be growing. <laughs> Like there is always opportunity for growth and there's always things I want to learn more about and do better. And it's just like, I 
love that inspirational community for that piece, because that just keeps my life interesting. I think it just keeps me in this growing, open and curious mindset, which I think helps me in every aspect, like you're saying. And then we have these, you know, other things I dive in and get interested in and find a community and mentors about that. And so it is just kind of the process of how, you know, I learn, but I think it's really common. I think it's really a piece of everybody's process to some extent, you know, to have that community, to hear from other people, to see and be inspired by other people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the other piece. I feel like in there, it, it, helps that it inspires me, but it also keeps my world growing and bigger. Right. So I'm not like, you know, I'm in my fifties. I'm, you know, this is, this is, these are my things. I don't want to learn new stuff or bring in new things, but yeah, no, just seeing what everybody's into. I think that's an, an important aspect in, in our network is, is not only are we asking the questions and, and moving through the challenges, but we're also sharing the joyful moments too, right? Like seeing that is, that is also what unschooling looks like in action. And if you just look at the hard stuff, it's going to feel like it's all hard, right? Again, just sharing the joy from like, you know, kind of the Instagrammy feeds for some people, if they take it that way. Um, but seeing how both live together, like how somebody can post a joyful moment and picture and also post a question. That is the beauty of it because those things live together, right? <laughs> That's life. That's life. All right. Thank you so much, Anna. It's always such a joy to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Have a great day. Take care. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.